Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 176, Muscles on Chips in Space. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. Now, longtime listeners may remember when we chatted with Dr. Lucy Lowe from the National Institute of Health about organs on chips in space. We talked about this technology that's about the size of a thumb drive that mimics the structure, the structure and function of human tissues and organs. That was episode 70 for those that want to check it out, which now that I think about was more than 100 episodes ago. Wow. Time flies. Well, this kind of technology has brought a number of investigations to space since then. Just recently, the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket delivered the Dragon cargo vehicle on the CRS-21 mission to the International Space Station, bringing up a ton of science with it. Literally, like a ton. 2,000 pounds of science. Actually, a bit more. Now, part of that mass was dedicated to tissue chips for an investigation called, or at least informally, Human Muscle on a Chip. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about this investigation, the tissue chip technology, and the story of how this investigation went from paper to low-Earth orbit. Our guest today is Dr. Siobhan Mullaney, president of MicroGRX and associate professor at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy. So here we go. Muscles on Chips in Space with Dr. Siobhan Mullaney. Enjoy. Dr. Siobhan Mullaney, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're recording this on December 7th, 2020, just a few hours ago. Uh, we saw the SpaceX Cargo Dragon on CRS-21 dock to the International Space Station. What we're going to be talking about today is some of the science that is on that particular mission. I'm sure you were watching launch. I don't know if you watched docking, but how does it feel knowing your science is now on the International Space Station? It's a relief because it's been a lot of work, <laughs> and it's good to get it off the ground and see what we can get out of this project. Well, I'm going to make a note to make sure that we, we talk about all the work that it's taken to get this investigation uh, ready for, for this very moment, for, for docking to the International Space Station. And I'm sure that, that it's going to be a whole other milestone when they actually start conducting the investigation, and I guess even better when, when you start seeing some of the data come in. Before we get into this investigation in particular, I want to understand a little more about you. You're the president of MicroGRX. You're an associate professor at the University of Florida College of Pharmacy and collaborate with the Biomedical Engineering Department. Your background is in uh, what I remember a lot of my engineering friends and science friends. Your, your background is in a PhD of organic organic chemistry and enzymology. I know a lot of my uh, engineering and science friends, this, this was their least favorite subject. Uh, I, I want to know, why why did you end up going into this uh, this very difficult field, Siobhan, uh, organic chemistry, enzymology, and then some, some more of your background? Yeah. Uh, well, I really work as a, as a biologist, but I did start in chemistry. Uh, you know, I just was inspired about how things work and how they come together and make, you know, new molecules. And then I got interested in, in drugs and how you make uh, drugs as new medications and went into the biotechnology industry in San Diego before uh, 
going from that into uh, an academic sort of, I mean, academic in one sense, but then uh, creating MicroGRX, uh, more or less when I moved to Florida and, and became close to the Kennedy Space Center and just really uh, got curious about what uh, things happening uh, back in 2011, 2012 at the end of the shuttle period and what was coming up. And it just was happenstance that I really got into space medicine. So, you know, very diverse and taking this path, but um, my, my research is really chemistry and biology, uh, so I, I combine both of them in my research. So what, what about your research? What are, the, what are the types of things that you are investigated, investigating and uh, interested in? Uh, yes, yeah, so, and it does stem from my biotechnology background uh, here at University of Florida, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a disease and dish modeling, if you will, so looking at human cells, human tissue uh, in, in, a, in a dish uh, that mimics disease so you can test uh, potential drug candidates for the, uh, you know, a human response, uh, human toxicity. And this is, uh, that is more predictable. Uh, so maybe we could rely a little less on animal studies or at least uh, be predictable of, of human response. And so I've brought some of that um, training from biotechnology and drug discovery environment into academia, and so we work with uh, human cells and human tissues, too. Um, uh, and, and part of my lab is medicinal chemistry, so we can synthesize compounds. We can test them in different assays, particularly looking at cardiovascular disease, uh, liver, um, liver disease, um, as well as uh, muscle atrophy. So those are some of the areas that I study, and um, we're really trying to use um, these advanced systems um, and that's sort of where it stems to use microgravity as one of those platforms to study diseases. And, and that's that. That was actually going to be my next question, Siobhan, Is is how these these two worlds uh, sort of merged? You mentioned having uh, Kennedy Space Center kind of in your backyard. You know, being able to see those uh, those launches, pretty spectacular place to live. Um, but how this uh, some of your research uh, ended up merging or, or maybe where that curiosity for uh, hmm, how, what happens in microgravity, uh, where those two worlds started colliding? Yeah, it's really interesting because it's just it's pure happenstance of coming to Florida uh, and, and, and having this background in chemistry and pharmacology, being in the world of drug discovery. And, you know, it, it really was going to uh, the Endeavor launch in 2011 and meeting some folks that were doing experiments on the space station and then networking with folks at Space Florida. Um, the uh, CASIS, Center for Advancement of Science in Space, was really just organizing. And so I was meeting some of those folks as well um, and starting to really think about, well, what does this mean in terms of accessibility to the space station? In one sense, you know, I can, back to this disease in a dish, you can take healthy cells or, you know, a patient cells that are in a disease state or you can add something that might make them diabetic or something in, the, in this dish, well, what if you used the microgravity um, as that, uh, I guess, platform that could basically induce kind of a, a disease? I mean, if you look at um, astronauts, and, and lucky for them, the, the effects on their tissue are reversible when they come back to, to ground state. But there's a lot of effects on muscle and bone um, in microgravity, and they really do happen relatively quickly. And so what does that mean in terms of utilizing that 
environment, that extreme environment of radiation and low gravity, where these processes of uh, might happen quickly on on the tissues, and can you understand diseases, and then uh, study potential new medicines that can help alleviate some of our major ailments that we have on Earth. So uh, I actually want to get into your um, th- this company, MicroGRX, and, and some of the formation there, but I am curious before I get into that, um, were, were you involved in uh, any kind of spaceflight research, space medicine, anything before MicroGRX that kind of sparked the idea for for this company? What, what was the what was the path there to eventually get to uh, MicroGRX? Yeah, again, it's back to the curiosity and networking. So MicroGRX yeah. was a logo, and it was just uh, it applied to a competition that was sponsored by Space Florida and Nanorax. Just uh, you know. It was a competition to send something in a 10 by 10 centimeter box to the space station. And so I, I, you know, thinking about my background in drug discovery, I'm like, well, you know, can we uh, do some kind of drug discovery in space? So I came up with the micro GRX, where micro G is the microgravity and RX is the pharmaceutics. Uh, And it was a logo. And then when I had received some seed funding from Space Florida, uh, micro GRX became the company. And so it's really stemmed out of that pure investigation and just being um, exposed to these new ideas uh, and, and then developing uh, ideas of, okay, what, would, what makes sense to do on a space station and how would you do that? And taking some of uh, basic things that we do here on Earth and, uh, for example, the competition was to access a uh, plate reader, which is basically a very common piece of uh, instrument that drug discovery uh, pharmaceutical companies use. So there was a plate reader on the space station, and so that was the competition. I um, said, well, let's go look at how uh, proteins interact that give off light and just use and calibrate this plate reader. And that was a fairly straightforward experiment that fit into this 10-centimeter by 10-centimeter box, and that's what we sent up. Uh, so, and then from there, uh, there has been some real funding that's come out uh, to do um, uh, research on the space station. And so that's where I thought, I'm a cell biologist, so what can we do in terms of cells? Uh, and I really got into working with Advent Health uh, and using um, uh, muscle from, they had uh, stores of, of cells from muscle biopsies from folks that are, you know, younger in age and older in age. And so we developed this idea to look at muscle wasting um, in, a, in, a, in the cell-based platform and study that on the space station. So that's where the ideas really kind of blossomed and uh, MicroGX uh, came to be and, and started to get some real funding going on these ideas. And it, it's really, this is back, you know, 2015. And just since that time, the number of research uh, institutions that are accessing the space station is just incredible. The number of different things that are being studied, and uh, again, it's just accessibility and better funding. So it's exciting time, uh, I, I think, uh, in just this past five years or so. 
And that's why I'm excited to have you on today, uh, Siobhan, to, to kind of explore this landscape of just how uh, robust, I guess, this uh, research on, in microgravity is becoming, how many how many players there really are, and then and then some of the interesting science that you can be a part of. So so MicroGRX, you talked about kind of expanding uh, from from this uh, plate reader and the competition uh, to, to what it is today. Now, some of the things that we're going to be talking about today is, t is related to technology, not just... Uh, not just the some of these uh, more biological aspects uh, to the research, but there's a technological component here. Uh, so some of the things that MicroGRX has, and and uh, and some of the I don't know if you want to call them facilities or, or pieces of technology, whatever you want to call them. Um, what we're going to be talking about today, I think, is uh, is tissue chips. So can you sort of describe tissue chips? What those are? Yeah. Uh, so tissue chips are really uh, they're a a functional unit, uh, and they're just the size of a, I guess, a thumb drive, or you know, maybe, maybe a, an, um, not a credit card is actually too big, so more like a thumb drive size. Uh, but they're these functional units that contain human cells or human tissue, and maybe multiple cell types that would make up an organ, like a heart or like a lung or something, uh, and they. Uh, the, the chip technology is just the containment, uh, so you could deliver fluids or air or an electrical pulse or whatever it is that you're uh, wanting to test in your, your organ, but they're, they are these um, human functional organs that are used to be more predictive of uh, human response when it comes to drug testing or drug toxicity. And, uh, you know, because uh, so many drugs fail because of a lack of uh, human um, uh, efficacy or toxicity, and so the, this before they get to clinical trials or into animal studies, and so these tissue chip technology is really filling that gap from the early drug discovery to the clinic and being a, a uh, predicted human um, functional response, um, and, and so that's that's the, the tissue chip technology. Um, the the benefit. And the thought of using that in on the space station is that by nature they are they can be autonomous they are contained uh, and so they have the kind of um, technology that would uh, go on the space station since you have to do things remotely they have to be um, uh, programmed and autonomous and so the tissue tips have not been a na uh, natural uh, technology that can transfer to the space station but certainly by doing that, it's, it's advanced the technology, the miniaturization, um, by sending these types of, of uh, tissue chips to the space station. So um, when it comes to microGRX, now we're, we're going to be talking about some of the folks that you've brought together for this particular investigation, but is it microGRX that is, that is manufacturing these, that is uh, kind of putting the puzzle together? Where, what, what are you doing with uh, tissue chips exactly? Yeah, it takes a lot for this to uh, these experiments going to the space station. Does take uh, it is very much team team based science uh, because uh, we rely a lot on the implementation partners, and so those that our implementation partner is Space Tango. They're out of Lexington, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. They are the not only the hosting platform on the vehicle and on the space station, but they have also developed a lot of the technology in terms of the. Uh, pumps that can d d uh, deliver fluids, and they have a camera system, and, a, and they've made the, the box that everything goes into. This live laboratory goes into this uh, shoe box, and so 
um, Space Tank has developed that. So what MicroGX has done is, is more the, the basic tissue chip function um, that the biology goes into. And so we're studying the muscle, uh, muscle wasting. Um, so um, we've developed these uh, muscle tissue chips. And so um, uh, MicroGX has, has developed the design, the chip to fit on the Space Tango platform in the box and also hold the biology. So everything comes together, but it takes engineers and hardware specialists and implementation folks and biologists to get it all together. Yeah, there's there's a few more players in this story, right? I think uh, University of Florida is one. I think uh, I think there might be might be some others. Yeah, it's it's a it's a larger team than than one would expect, right? It's not just one one team. It is a very collaborative yeah, effort. So, and that's where you know I'm being interdisciplinary and understanding the technology and biology has been key. Uh, so at the University of Florida, we're, we're doing the muscle biology and studying the muscle biology. And uh, right, My, MicroGex is making the tissue chip, the, the actual chip, and the Space Tango is, um, is developing the actual payload box and the hosting platform on the space station. So it really takes all these integrate uh, partners to make it all work. All right, so so you talked about some of the science, uh, and you've already alluded to it. You're, you're talking about uh, muscles, and, and I think you said uh, some age-related studies. I, th- I think is what you said, age-related decline. Um, let, let's start investigating exactly what we're what we're uh, putting on board the International Space Station, or I guess at this point, what has what has just recently arrived. So, what is the uh, science that's inside this uh, this tissue chip technology and, yeah. and the box? Right. So, science. We've talked about using microgravity as this uh, platform to uh, study um, what happens to, to tissues because, uh, as we see in astronauts, there is a, a decline, and that is, seems to happen very, very rapidly. So the idea is that is that similar process to what happens when we age over time. Um, so age-related muscle decline, which is called sarcopenia, is, is a pretty major health um, issue uh, in the United States. Um, it, it is more the extreme um, muscle uh, loss of muscle strength, um, which then uh, contributes to um, uh, fragility and injuries and loss of quality of life and, and, and potentially death. And so it is a, a, a major decline after the age of 60 and 80. And, and so this is uh, quite a health burden. And there's really nothing that is um, available to counter um, this more extreme muscle decline. Uh, so the idea is to use microgravity um, and to see if, if, if this process happens faster on the, where there's uh, low gravity um, because there, it does appear this happens in astronauts. Uh, there have been other experiments that show um, that, that the cells respond and the tissues do sense the low gravity and um, do, do change. And so on a tissue level, you could get some information about maybe this disease process and get that information much faster than waiting for someone to age, for example. So this experiment is sending, uh, we've collaborated with Advent Health, and so they have collected uh, muscle biopsies from both um, younger people and older individuals, and we've taken those cells and made them uh, three-dimensional into these chips. They actually look like a little rubber band around uh, some anchor points um, because muscle contracts. And so they're only, you know, again, this, this thumb drive size, uh, uh, it, it, these little muscle bundles, um, and they do contract. We've added uh, electrodes to them to deliver a pulse. 
so that they can to monitor the contraction on orbit so we can have a functional response. And we also have a camera system in the box that they could, we could just look at the health of the um, and record the contraction uh, while they're in orbit. Uh, and then we actually preserve these cells and we bring them back to Earth and we can look at how their, um, the gene expression changes in these cells compared to uh, the cells that we would have, we'd be testing on ground. That is absolutely fascinating. So you're literally you're literally sending <laughs> electrodes through these little pieces of technology, <laughs> and with a camera. I mean, can you actually see these little tissues contracting? Is that are you are you able to watch well, that? So that is going to be the, the great thing. That is exactly what I'm waiting for. That downlink of <laughs> muscle cells. In if I don't get anything else, and we could just show that we can do this uh, in the space station to have a real-time functional response, measure contraction, uh, is there a decline in the contraction, you know, which corresponds with muscle mass and strength, and, uh, you know, can we do these types of experiments? Because they could be applicable to, uh, you know, uh, neurons or um, heart cells. I mean, there's, there's application to being able to deliver electrical pulses to cells um, uh, in low, low gravity. So, that's the big thing that I really hope we can get out. But, uh, you know, we've got 16 chips in there. Some are being electrically stimulated. Some are not trying to collect all the data that we can. Um, we're getting more miniaturized, being able to send more chips uh, so that you have more sampling sizes and can do uh, different readouts. But, um, you know, we'll see. It, it's never it's never perfect. You're, you're building that technology as you're running the biology. So it's really about trying to mitigate risk and trying to get the most information out of each flight. And, and the big plus is that we will be able to refly in uh, two years uh, with the idea of, of making improvements, also testing uh, drugs for uh, muscle atrophy and building on, on what we learned from this trip. And having a larger sample size even, I guess, right? Right. And, and that's, you know, and that's, that's what's great. And it, the, the real benefit of the tissue chip is that it is this, this you know, this, this human uh, unit that you, in, instead of looking at the astronaut where there's one astronaut, you know, we can have more and more of these tissue chips uh, to, to sample and, and study different things. So you can expand how many chips you have. They don't take up much space. Um, and, you know, they're not animals. Uh, so we don't, so it, it's, a, it's a benefit to be able to continue to, um, understand a disease state using these tissue chips, um, uh, which is uh, easier than, um, and, and maybe we get astronauts on a chip and be able to, to look at how <laughs> they might react to prolonged space travel. I mean, that's the real uh, idea, not just, uh, you know, benefiting health on Earth, but also looking at what the effects would be with prolonged space travel. So you could send these experiments up for longer and longer times. Um, this one's just going to run for about two weeks, uh, just, you know, um, again, a long enough time to get something, but not too long that <laughs> something might happen. So we're trying to, to mitigate the risk and get the most benefit out of it. Now, you talked about comparing some of the data that you're seeing from the microgravity environment. I think you, you mentioned uh, partnering with Advent Health, and they were, they were doing some studies ahead of time for maybe to, for some ground-based studies to compare them. Are these, are these with um, actual, you know, human subjects, or are, we, are, are they also on tissue chips, and then you just compare tissue chip to tissue chip? How does that work? 
Uh, no, they they are um, they are Floridians. <laughs> <laughs> They're cells going to space at least. Uh, so they were volunteers. Um, so we have about nine subjects of the younger age group, which is under 40, and the older age group over 60. And so we've pooled the cells from, from nine subjects of, of uh, taking biopsies from the from the leg, um, and uh, then taking those cells and creating the, the 3D muscle bundles in these chips. Um, the nice thing about working with Advent Health is that when we can collect data, they do uh, a lot of bed rest studies. Again, there's, I think, you know, the idea is there is a similarity between, you know, long-term bed rest, bed rest from injury, space flight, and aging. And so if you can kind of start to understand, use uh, space and understand um, in, a, in a short time these uh, processes that might be similar in bed rest or in aging, um, then that's where we want to get to and start collecting some, some data. And so um, Advent Health has a lot of, uh, it's the Translational Research Institute um, at Advent Health um, that we're working with. And so they've got a lot of data already um, really focusing on um, uh, muscle diseases and muscle and diabetes and, in other areas. So um, there'll, there'll be a wealth of information to once we can compare data from flight, our flight studies, ground studies, and then some of the studies that they actually do. And so a better understanding of just exactly what's happening here, um, is that, is I guess the ultimate end goal here to, to better understand, maybe maybe improve medications, um, maybe even better understand what's happening to the human body in space and then create some countermeasures from there. Are these all real, you know, applications of the possibilities from, from really truly understanding some of these uh, some of these effects of sarcopenia. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's different levels. The the, the first idea is, is really using the space station to um, uh, study diseases that impact us on Earth. Mm-hmm. And you know, is there this idea that we can that there's an accelerated aging type of process in um, cells that we can model? Again, it's going back to that disease in a dish modeling. Um, using the space station to sort of induce that disease state, and can we do that and see that process faster on the space station? Um, certainly, that makes sense when you talk about aging, which happens over years and years, right? And so, is that process something we can look at and then test um, potential medicines to look for countermeasures, not just um, then for treating muscle diseases on Earth, but then they would be applicable to uh, you know prolonged space flight and travel. Um, and, and even understanding a, a specific person, how um, their cells actually would uh, respond. So I think the, and this goes with across different organs too. So that's where the whole funding has come from, from the National Institutes of Health, um, funding different tissue chip uh, uh, models from kidney to lung to um, uh, bone. Uh, there's There's several different tissue chip projects that, have been flying to the space station and will continue to fly over the next um, two to three years. So it's really an exciting um, environment um, that I, I hope we can really collect a lot of data from uh, from these tissue chip experiments. It is true. We, even even on this podcast, we've been talking about tissue chips for 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 quite a number of years already, which is was actually funny because it was just a few years ago that we were talking about testing the technology as a whole and seeing if it was uh, if it was something that was 
could be done in spaceflight and that was worth doing. And I think very quickly it, it's proven to be a, a very effective method of, of testing some of these some of these uh, systems within the human body, some of these functions. It's, it's actually quite incredible. Um, at the beginning, Siobhan, you mentioned, uh, man, it's, it's been quite a journey to get this to this point, right? Uh, again, we're recording this uh, the day of... Uh, of, of CRS-21 docking uh, with, with this very experiment on board. Um, can we talk about just that journey for a, a, a minute? Just what it's, what it's taken to really get everyone together and say, hey, I have this idea for this experiment I want to do on the International Space Station. Let's collaborate. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I've, I had a flight in 2018 out of Wallops. Um, and that was a much smaller experiment um, to, it was more of a, not, not 3D tissue, more of a lab on a chip, but really working with this autonomous laboratory and being able to just culture cells in a, in a box, send it up there, keep them alive, you know, keep them fed and happy, uh, and maybe look at them under a microscope. So that was the first experiment in 2018. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of issues with just technology, you know, power draws and, and pumps, and it, the, the technology itself is quite a feat. Mm. And so, uh, you know, this we've expanded on. Uh, we've worked uh, the last uh, two years on this particular experiment, um, and it really, it, I've learned a lot in terms, I, I think you'd probably talk more in terms of just the overall program management. I'm really, um, I think you, you learn what people you really need at the table, and we're all very different. I mean, we have aerospace engineering folks and, and you know, uh, I've got a biologist on my team that comes from, you know, big pharma. She's doing the muscle biology. And then we have engineers and material scientists. And, and we may not speak each other's language, so you really have to cover what is it that we don't know that we're missing. You know, when somebody designs the hardware, well, that might interfere with the biology. We've got to solve that issue. And so that, for me, as an investigator, has been the challenge. And what I've really learned over the past several years is, um, is really how to go through those checklists to make sure that we're, um, uh, again, developing the right technology. Biology is going to fit, um, and, and it's going to make sense, and, and the, it, things aren't going to leak, or, you know, these things are they're, that the, the pumps are going to operate, that the, you know, air bubbles are a huge problem, right, keeping the air bubbles out. I mean, these might seem trivial, but they're big issues <laughs> that we are constantly working on. So we've gone through, and uh, COVID's made it tough because we've kind of had to be remote, um, sending hardware back and forth, uh, running ground test after ground test to to just, uh, you know, study one uh, you know, the pumps first and the camera system and, and do these iterative testing. And it's been a, a big process. And, you know, I'm sure we've got lots of things we need to still improve on. But it's like you said, it's not just about the science. It's about building the technology as well. And in the tissue chip world, the um, these enabling technologies uh, are also really, really big point because the, the, they they are also important in terms of these um ability to do these these miniaturized autonomous laboratories. I mean, that's also a, a big plus of, of what we're getting out of our experiment. So is that's really how it's going to be run uh, once it gets on, on board the International Space Station, right? I guess 
it's really it's really just plugged in and and you you said the word autonomous it's i mean it's really gonna do a lot of this themselves is there really limited um limited crew interaction with this with this kind of thing uh, right and that's also the benefit there's there's almost no crew um intervention other than taking that box off the dragon uh in, and then plugging it into the space station and and then uh at the end of our experiment we need to to put put it in a cold storage it'll go to a minus 30 celsius after our experiment and so someone the one of the astronauts has to move it over to the the freezer if you will so that's really it and um so it is there it's part um sending commands so that that's where space tango has really advanced their technology is is it's not just um necessarily a full pre-programmed loop it, it's some of it they are able to send commands to say you know turn on this pump or um, move the camera to this location. Uh, so some of it is, is programmed and some of it um, on command we can say, hey, you know, we need to capture this um, video or maybe we need to terminate the experiment earlier than we thought. So these are things that we're able to control. They can also downlink the um, either video or an image uh, so that we can start to look at do the cells look healthy, are they contracting, and these kinds of things that um, it's really exciting because that at least a couple of years ago we weren't we were more like push the button and here's the program's going to send you know nutrients to the cells every eight hours or whatever the program is. Um, now it's a, a, there's a little bit more capability to communicate with the box, so it will it will consistently be delivering fluids to all 16 chips. Um, it will take images of these um, chips. Uh, it will take video of them. Uh, through the course of about 14 days, and then um, add a fixative, and then it's thrown into the freezer. And uh, I guess when it's thrown into the freezer, it's ultimately to keep it cold. Um, there's some powered lockers on the Cargo Dragon for when it returns in a month. Um, and then it's going to splash down in the Atlantic Ocean. It's going to be really a matter of hours, right, until you can have your hands on the experiment and start doing some cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this has been great with being in Florida. We're right here with the launch, and it'll come right back. Um, uh, Kennedy, you know, NASA's been wonderful at Kennedy Space Center. We've got a lab uh, that's all set up that we worked out of to um, do the ground studies so far to put the payload together and hand it over, and then it'll come back to the same lab, and we'll start um, extracting the um, uh, what's the RNA from the, the chip, which is the will provide us that um, gene expression data that we can uh, look at to, to compare with the old cells that we have, the young cells, and the ground, the ground cells that we have. We could do a full comparison and look at whatever changes that have been induced while being on uh, the space station. Is that the main thing you're looking at, the gene expression, or are there other things that you're going to pull from the data? It's um, it is mainly the gene expression that is something I get a, a lot of data from. Uh, we will have some of the video to do contraction. Hmm. Uh, we're collecting some of the, the media waste to see what might you know be have been secreted into the waste um, that may be uh, 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 um, indication of um, health uh, information. These these kinds of, of things, um, biomarkers, for example. So, um, but the main thing is going to be. The, the gene expression changes because um, you can get quite a bit of information from a little, little bit of material uh, from each uh, chip. 
There's so much to look forward to, Siobhan. But I, but I do want to go back to launch for just a second. You know, thinking about all these things that you have plans for, right? You have, you, you're thinking about what you're going to be doing on orbit, what you're going to do when it returns back to Earth. There's a lot of, a lot of interesting science that you want to conduct with this investigation. So when you were, um, you know, sitting there, wherever you were, I don't know if you were at Kennedy or if you were just sitting at home watching it from from your TV. But those those moments before launch, what were some of the things going through your head? a lot of things but yeah i was on on base um cool. uh, uh, on the on the causeway watching the uh the the day launch um and it was with the we had our team from university of florida from uh micro jrx um and uh micro aerospace solution we've got some uh, engineers from from there as well as space tango so we we watched it together uh i think one is is uh that was going through was just you know, it's it's exciting. Um, we had a launch in 2018. This is a uh, somewhat of a repeat, but a much much bigger project. But it's really this time about getting the data. I really want to see, you know, really be able to make some conclusions. Like the, we are seeing these changes. This is what this might mean. Uh, so we can um, continue building on uh, what we've learned and. And, and making these models better. I think we already know there's some things that we need to work on to make them a little, um, uh, to just make them uh, better, uh, more robust uh, in terms of the the chip and the electrodes and the technology. I mean, there's certainly things to work on. Um, but so for me, it, it's, it's exciting to see it finally go. We've had a lot of flight delays uh, and, you know, not having to go back and seed another 16 chips if the launch was delayed, is also a relief. But uh, for me, this time, it, the, the goal is to get to get data. I mean, um, that, that's what we got to bring home some some good information. And I think that's kind of the last thing I want to explore, Siobhan, Is um, at the beginning you talked about kind of entering into this world of, of microgravity research through through networking, maybe a little bit of right place, right time through the. Um, uh, cases, uh, ISS National Lab, they, uh, you know, they probably sold the idea of, of uh, you know, here's, here's why doing microgravity research is important. Um, I'm, I'm, but it's not, I don't know if it's a commonly known thing, you know, why, why, why would I need to do research in microgravity? So uh, to you, Siobhan, what are those um, things about microgravity that maybe folks just don't understand but would like to on, on why doing research in microgravity for their experiment uh, would be beneficial? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question. And back when, you know, I'm watching the Endeavor launch and then listening to, uh, it was a, a crystallographer that was doing some, sending some experiments up. And I was thinking, oh, I'm a pharmacologist. Yeah, you know, I don't know what I would do on the space station, what I would study. But then just um, after that shuttle launch, when, the, when um, the space station really started to open up to more science experiments, I mean, there's just been a flood of, of ideas uh, because it is, you know, it is an extreme laboratory. It, it's a laboratory, and it offers a platform where there is real, in terms of human research, just a real effect on tissues and organs, uh, you know, regenerative processes, cells migrate, 3D formation. Um, there's just a, there's a lot that can be done on the space station that really is not as easy to do on Earth. And certainly, if you have uh, information on more age-related 
um, type of diseases that just take a long time to study on Earth, that's a, a place that I think is going to be really informative um, for multi looking at multiple tissues. So, and then I, we just can't ignore that you know we're explorers. I mean, we're going to continue <laughs> being in space, and we need to understand the health effects um, of of being in space and and prolonged uh, space travel. So I think, um, and and just the technology in general. Every time we try and, and do things in space, um, our our capabilities in terms of technological technological advancement is really profound. So I think on all levels, um, and for me, it's exciting to put the technology and the biology together, um, and and do something in terms of space medicine and, and uncover. You know, really, can you? Uh, discover uh, medicines that are really going to help alleviate some of our major diseases that we have on Earth. So it's it, it's just it's exciting to, to have this this capability and access and and there'll be different um, space stations. You know, this is the space station is not going to last forever, and there's ideas uh, of different ways to um, create research platforms in space. So I think it's going to change tremendously. Um, over over the next um, several years, and uh, commercialization of, of different aspects are, are going to be a big thing as well. So um, there's a space market for sure. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and there's um you know there is this continuing I guess need for for microgravity. I think a lot of um, uh, there's there's been a lot of value to conducting research in, in microgravity, and I'm sure that's something that that you're thinking about. Um, you know, starting starting the company MicroGRX and conducting some of this research. It's very clear uh, that you're interested and in, and in, in find value in uh, in researching what microgravity can offer um, in terms of unlocking a couple extra things, you know, whether it's whether it's a faster, you know, uh, faster data for maybe something that is related to sarcopenia or maybe the next thing. Siobhan, I don't know if you have um, other things that you're looking forward to, other things you're curious about that you would think maybe microgravity is a, it would be a good place to research this. Are you already thinking about the next thing? Um yeah, because I want to stay in the in the business. <laughs> so, uh, you always have to be thinking of the next thing. Certainly, I want to expand on. Um, uh, you know, it's it's hard science and hard technology. So expanding on what you've already learned is is a good thing. So I mean, looking at other muscle diseases and using patient patient specific type of cells is, is an area. But in terms of another an application, I mean, one of the uh, we've got some funding that at the University of Florida we work with the University of Colorado. Um, it's a it's a, a drug discovery um, project that's looking at diabetic wound healing, um, and so um, there's been a lot of interest in, in thinking about wound healing in space. Um, so, um, and, and I think it, creating a type of tissue chip that you could you could study um, how you know uh, uh, different ways to, to uh, do wound wound healing. That that would be I think very applicable not only for just on space. Um, being able to, to have kind of skin grafts or um, cover wounds that would be very important, but also are there uh, do these cells migrate in a way that might be beneficial to to study wound healing on space for the benefit of, of um, these ailments on earth so that that's one area that I'm thinking about just because we've we've are getting into that in, um, here in our own lab uh, that I think would be a real benefit to study on the space station. See, I just love exploring just 
how broad this is, and even even just within this particular field of of, of using tissue chips, you know, what can you use it for? There is this this large range of 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 ways that you can use this technology um, and explore different concepts, and that can really benefit a lot of folks here. And then, of course, um, some ideas for for helping humans travel farther into space. Siobhan Mullaney, Dr. Siobhan Mullaney, this has been such a fascinating conversation. Um, it's great to see CRS-21 docked to the International Space Station. This episode will come out while it's still docked, so they'll be doing some great science. Uh, wish you all the best uh, for, for all the science on board, and then, of course, for when it returns. Thanks so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast and sharing some of the great things you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm glad to share. Look forward to, yeah, look forward to see what we can get out of this uh, flight. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, thanks for sticking around after our conversation with Dr. Siobhan Mullaney from uh, MicroGRX and University of Florida. Hope you learned something today. If you want to check out more of our podcast, we are Houston. We have a podcast. We're at nasa.gov slash podcast, along with a number of other shows that you can find all across NASA. If you want to talk to us on social media, we're on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show and make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast. This episode was recorded on December 7th, 2020. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Nora Moran, Belinda Polito, Jennifer Hernandez, Rachel Berry, and Mario Garcia. Thanks again to Dr. Siobhan Mullaney for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us what you think. That will do it for us in 2020. Thanks for tuning in this year. It's been a challenging one. We're going to enjoy the holidays over the next few Fridays, and we'll be back with you on January 8th with a new episode for our Mars Monthly series. If you missed any of our episodes, you can listen to them in no particular order and catch up over the holidays. And if you're completely caught up, I am so proud of you. Let us know on social media. You can check us out, our friends at uh, Curious Universe or Gravity Assist or Small Steps, Giant Leaps or the many other NASA shows if you're still craving some uh, podcasts about space. Happy holidays. We'll be back next year.